Welcome to Connect, the California MBA's weekly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. I'm Dustin Hobbs, Communications Director here at the California MBA, and it's September, and so we're continuing our focus on uh, conversations with folks in the uh, commercial multifamily sector of the industry. Uh, we actually just finished up our uh, Western States CREF conference uh, a week or so ago, and uh, we'll be getting into uh, some some takeaways there with our guest today, and, uh, and we'll get into that here in just a minute. But before we do, let's thank our sponsors over at Accelerate. Accelerate helps lenders close more loans through better borrower engagement. And they are the mortgage industry's most innovative customer experience platform, which delivers lead management, sales enablement, engagement, a robust mortgage-specific content uh, library, and data intelligence, all in one comprehensive and highly scalable platform. Accelerate delivers dynamic technology, strategy, and content for every channel of your business to ensure engagement throughout the customer journey, whether that be with your borrowers, referral partners, or any other, any other party to the uh, loan transaction. The dynamic enterprise solution seamlessly fits into your existing tech stack, whether that's your phone integration, your POS, LOS, servicing, data enrichment. And that's due to the Accelerate's uh, advanced API connectivity, modern design, and open architecture. So gone are the days of managing multiple and separate systems like your CRM, your marketing automation, lead management, and having your data trapped in those silos. The innovative platform allows you to, to provide your internal and external customers timely, relevant information based on data intelligence to build repeatable outcomes at each stage of the customer's journey. So bottom line, close more loans, improve borrower conversions, enhance customer retention, transform customer acquisition lifecycle, and create customers for life. So for more information, visit Accelerate.com, where you can contact them at the number listed in the description below. All right, let's uh, get into the conversation with our guest. I'm excited to welcome in Ryan Chapman, or welcome back to the program, I should say, Ryan Chapman. Uh, Ryan is a Senior Vice President with Walker Dunlop, and he's also just been uh, recently inaugurated as the Chairman of the Board of Directors for the California MBA. Welcome, Ryan. Justin, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting to have you back on the program. Um, and as I mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, we just finished up our uh, Western States CREF conference back in person for the first time since 2019, uh, about a week or so ago in Las Vegas at the, uh, the at, uh, for us, the brand new venue at the ARIA. And so just, you know, uh, right away, a uh, question for you. What's your, uh, your big takeaway from the conference? Well, Dustin, first, I, I'd like to say I mean, it was great to see uh, a good turnout this year. Uh, as you mentioned, it was uh, we took last year off. We were virtual last year. Uh, and it was great to be back uh, in person. Uh, very excited to see uh, the number of people that, that showed up, uh, had, a, had a great time at the conference. I think we had a little over 600 uh, folks registered for, for this year's conference, uh, and, and it ran very well. Uh, obviously, also in our, our new venue at ARIA, um, and it worked out perfectly. A great layout, uh, great venue, and uh, really enjoyed the, enjoyed the event. Um, you know, I think you know, the capital's just plentiful out there. You know, lots of lots of providers chasing uh, maybe not as many deals as they'd like. Uh, we're seeing, you know, the continued uh, strength in financing on the multifamily side and on the industrial side. Uh, and then other asset classes are, are starting to see a little bit more, you know, green shoots, if you will, or, or uh, less, less headwind, headwinds uh, in the ability to finance some of those. I think uh, you know, saw a lot of uh, capital providers that maybe had a single bucket of capital or a single focus of capital have expanded that uh, moving forward. 
uh, tr trying to get more access to more deals, uh, and even some some groups that uh, maybe were focused uh, heavily and been doing a lot of multifamily uh, are are looking into placing capital in some of the other asset classes as well. So it looks to be uh, continued uh, strong opportunity to to be a borrower, and rates are you know the treasuries still low and uh, the competition out there is spreads remaining low can still get in some pretty attractive financing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that, uh, you know, as far as uh, just the, the conference itself, I think you really hit on it there. It was great to see everyone back in person. I think uh, uh, we found, at least on the association side, that, uh, you know, sometimes you have to do the the events uh, virtually, but uh, for some sectors of the industry, I think commercial and multifamily real estate uh, finance is certainly one of those. It's very hard to replicate the in-person networking and uh, deal-making uh, atmosphere that you get in those in-person conferences in a, in a virtual atmosphere. So it was really good to see everyone. And I think uh, I think people enjoyed the new uh, the new venue. We were at the Win Encore for several years before, and uh, great venue there as well. But uh, I think the new uh, the new fresh digs at uh, Aria were really good. Looking forward to next year. And, yeah. No, uh, I, oh, good. You know, just. Add on that, I, I mentioned to people uh, when I spoke, you know, despite the fact, you know, technology is an important part of, of our business and we'll continue to expand it in how we, we employ technology, but we are still uh, rooted in personal connection. And so the ability to be, to be in person was, uh, is very beneficial, uh, whether it's a networking event, um, a conference, or, or meetings with uh, clients and prospects. It's uh, it's still very important to to be in person. Yeah, totally agree. And I mean, if you missed the conference this year, or even if you were there and uh, you know already looking forward to next year, the conference uh, dates for next year to uh, mark in your calendar are September seventh through the ninth, and we're going to be back at the Aria in Las Vegas. So, uh, more information to come on that here in the next uh, in the next few months. Um, switching gears a little, right? So, uh, how have uh, uh, how have you guys at uh, Walker Dunlop begun to transition um, back to the back to work or you know back to face-to-face -face meetings and uh, do you anticipate the sort of hybrid um, the hybrid or the work from home model will continue to stay with us as uh, business and governments uh, contend with the new variants of COVID or do you think we're, we'll sort of eventually get back to a you know all in-person uh, uh, environment again? Yeah that's no, an interesting question uh, I think a lot of companies are are continually uh, Looking at that, uh, changing how they're addressing it, um, and and the, the market and timing will will tell. I mean, in the sh in short answer, I'd say I think the hybrid model is here to stay for a while. Uh, I don't know if it's it's permanent, uh, but there's a lot of factors at play there. You know, we here at, at Walker and Dunlop, uh, we started getting out in front of um, clients uh, and prospects and taking in-person meetings uh, to the extent that we could. Um, you know, late last year and 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 through this year certainly. Uh, as far as you know, back in the office, uh, we've we've shifted our 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 go back date. We originally had uh, we started allowing people to come back in in certain offices and certain markets, but with restrictions and uh, you know social distancing and wearing masks and in, in the either in your offices or in common areas or in conference rooms when you're with others. Uh, as well as requiring you know, temperature checks and, and daily daily survey kind of check-ins. Um, we intended to bring everybody back in, in early September and we pushed that out a little bit. Uh, as you can see, I'm in the office today. Uh, we're, we're, our, our 
bringing people back in as, as they feel feel comfortable. Um, you know, we we have adopted the the idea or the the, the concept of you know uh, those that are vaccinated uh, uh, can have unfettered access uh, to the office, um, but we are still you know fluxing uh, based on on what's happening out there. Um, right now, we're uh, we're wearing masks when we're when we're in our common areas uh, around other associates, uh, but when we're in our own offices, um, we don't have to have to be masked up. And I think, you know, a lot of companies are, are experiencing the same. Uh, you know, certainly the, the freeways are, are, are getting more congested out there. So anecdotally, I could say it seems like everybody's coming back to work. But, but at the same time, you know, we're in the office buildings and in the towers and the, the parking lots aren't, aren't that full. So there's people are out and about uh, and, and wanting to get back. Uh, to level of normalcy, but uh, you know, I, I wouldn't wouldn't say we're there yet. And you know, going forward, it's you know, we, we feel it's important to to be in person. I mentioned that you know, from the networking concept and the idea of the conference in person, uh, we think that uh, getting everyone back in the office, being able to collaborate, to mentor, to train, um, you know, a company like ours, we've had I believe 200 plus employees hired uh, since the beginning of the pandemic uh, until recently, many of them had never set foot uh, inside of a Walker and Dunlop office. Uh, and so it's important to us to, to get everybody together when we can. Yeah, I have to imagine, especially with the new employees, just, you know, inculcating that uh, the culture that you guys have at the company, that's got to be difficult to do over strictly over a Zoom call. Eventually, you want to see them in person and, and shake hands and kind of uh, get that, uh, you know, uh, belly to belly feel at least. Sure, I mean, you just you can't. There are certain things you can't uh, grasp. Uh, it, it, uh, on video, maybe better than on the phone, uh, because you're able to see some some expressions and see you know body language and how people are reacting to a conversation. Uh, but in person, still uh, is preferred and I think uh, better long term. Yeah, no, I agree. So uh, looking uh, at the the market itself, um, what's your your sort of uh, take on the outlook uh, heading into as we sort of cruise into uh, Q4 here and uh, looking ahead maybe even to 2022? What's uh, you know from your perspective, what'll be you know some hot markets or property types? What's your your sense? Well, I mean, I, part of that can kind of go in the conversation of you know the shifting dynamics of the markets and and return to the cities or are we going suburban? And so you see a lot of, there's uncertainty there as to how some markets are gonna fare. Um, you know, so if you're looking at, at housing, uh, is, is it, are the big cities gonna bring people back? It appears they are, you know, the, uh, the rents, are, rents are moving up and occupancies are, are returning to, to big city markets, but you've got a, also a, a fair amount of shift in demand of people that are wanting to be a little bit more uh, flexible in, in their environment. You know, if, if we truly maintain a, a hybrid work schedule, uh, there's a point at which it's maybe it's okay that I'm not I'm not as close. Uh, you know, I I think the concern there long term is even if you're have to go into the office once a week or twice a week. There's a, a comes a point at which the commute is too far anyway, and so to say I'm okay with a you know hour commute um, is that, that fine? But if it's two or three hours, that I mean that just doesn't 
isn't going to make sense in, in that hybrid model. So, you know, the, that you we're looking at those kinds of factors um, when we're thinking about uh, what where the demand's going to be for for residential living, uh, where the demand's going to be for you know office space. Um, you know, certain comp some companies are going to demand to still be in the in the major markets and in the business centers. Uh, it's it's a, it's important for them to be there. Um, so I think there's a lot of uh, look at what how that's all going to play out. Uh, you know, as far as you know, product sectors, uh, you know, multifamily, and as I mentioned earlier, and everybody, most people who listen to this will 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 attest and know, multifamily and industrial have uh, been the darlings of of the industry. Multifamily for a significant amount of time, and industrial certainly over the last few years. Um, there's you know, there are are opportunities in, in in other sectors as well, and and might be you know, ample time now to, to, to be in those product types. In hospitality, uh, we're seeing you know, uh, travel is, is up. Uh, business travel is, is some level returning. I actually, that was a comment that was talked about uh, last week in, in our keynote luncheon uh, with um, uh, our CEO, Willie Walker, interviewed uh, CEO and MGM, uh, president and CEO of MGM Resorts, uh, that their their overall occupancy and overall revpar uh, in in Las Vegas on the the strip hotels that MGM controls has been was great in uh, in the month of August, uh, but it's all driven primarily by their weekend um, travel, their their the the business and the conference travel. While there is some, it just hasn't picked up to a level uh, that is significant enough yet to to really drive. The Revpar uh, midweek that you know mon Monday night through through Monday night through Wednesday night or Monday night through Thursday night. Yeah, no, and that makes sense. I mean, just from the association perspective, it's really hard. And I mean, when you have to plan these conferences out months and you know even at times when you're booking hotel contracts years in advance, it's really hard to judge right now whether or not you're going to be able to have a conference in person at all, or whether you can do it with masks, or whether you can do it. You know some other way and what you know and the restrictions are, seem to be changing you know uh so uh, you know, sort of all the time i mean i know just for the uh the mba's uh, national convention which is coming up here in october they you know have had to change uh you know change gears a couple of times and kind of stay light on their feet so i, I have to imagine that until there becomes some more um a way to uh, you know game out some of these uh scenarios long term it's going to be tough for some of these associations to really make that uh, that financial commitment to have an in-person conference and and uh you know sort of build back up that uh, midweek um uh, occupancy at some of these vegas hotels um, well there, there's one thing the pandemic has, has taught us and there certainly are more than one thing uh it's it's be flexible you know be, things will change and they might change quickly uh and you've got to be ready to pivot with them yeah, no, and I think you make an interesting point too about uh, the uh, the urban and uh, uh, suburban uh, shifts, and uh, the fact that there's still you know still companies that want to have uh, you know their headquarters in financial centers, and so I think that I think in when you you know are you can get caught up in reading news or watching cable news and kind of think that you know everything's changing, everything is going to be different, and you know the fundamentals of uh, some of these markets and how the financial sector works, you know, a lot of that is still going to, it's still there. Not everything has changed quite yet. Um, and I think that's a good perspective to, to uh, add in there. So thank you for mentioning that. Um, 
So uh, switching gears again to talk a little bit about uh, policy now, um, I'm curious how the uh, you know federal, state, and uh, maybe even local uh, eviction moratoria that uh, we've seen over the last year or so, um, how are these impacting from the commercial perspective? How are these imp impacting uh, property values or deal volume, and you know even looking forward, if they stay in place or if new ones come in place, how does that uh, how does that impact the market? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I, I think you say commercial, but there's there's kind of commercial office industrial retail there, and there's commercial for the multifamily space, and you know, the, I think the, the eviction moratoria really more was is on the on the residential side of that, and you know, by and large, uh, you know, lenders and and borrowers have have done you know everything they can to to work. You know, lenders working with their borrowers and borrowers working with their tenants, whether they're commercial tenants or residential tenants, uh, through through the time the, the tough time here in the pandemic. Uh, you know, I think there have been a lot of uh, financial support that has come along with with a lot of that uh, eviction moratoria. So I think that that has helped. You know, backstop you know potential uh, you know, erosion of, of cash flows, if you will. Uh, at at many of these properties, you know, if, if the eviction moratoria wears off and or is uh, and stimulus is less available, um, I think you know you'll see you might see a little bit more stress in in the marketplace. I think you know landlords uh, you know looking to uh, maximize the revenue, but they're also looking to maintain their tenancies and 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 keep their uh, keep their tenants in place. So I think. That uh, it, you know, somewhat remains to be seen uh, how how this all plays out. But uh, uh, with jobs returning, uh, you know, we haven't we haven't hired back all the jobs that were lost uh, around the country uh, through the pandemic. So there's still a lot more uh, room to grow there. Uh, but you know, I'm hopeful that you know we can get back to a, a high level of employment uh, where people are earning incomes that are sufficient to be able to support their, their rents and uh, get their businesses back up and going. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so uh, let's, uh, let's talk for a minute here about uh, some, maybe some inside baseball about uh, the California MBA. Um, I mentioned at the outset of the program that uh, um, you're now, you've just recently been inaugurated as a chair of the California MBA, and uh, you've been on the board for a number of years, been involved with the association for a number of years, and so uh, sort of looking ahead to your your term as chair, um, what if I'm a member of the California MBA or a potential member of the California MBA, and I'm curious, what are some of your your priorities as chair for the year ahead? Sure, well the the organization's been been running strong uh, for a number of years. We've got a great leadership uh, in in both the staff at the California MBA, including yourself, Dustin. Uh, as well as as the board members uh, that are active and participating uh, in leading the organization, uh, we've got a number of initiatives that we've we've started and are continuing to work through. Uh, you know, one that I'd like to see uh, continue to to be successful uh, is our Future Leaders Program. Uh, I think that you know it's important for us to invest in the in the future of our industry uh, to promote those that are. Uh, up-and-comers and that are showing real promise and poise uh, to to uh, the better opportunities within within their own companies within their careers uh, and uh, the program uh, 
has expanded over the last few years, and it's uh, a lot actually due to to your hard work, Dustin. Uh, and so I, I'd like to see that that program continue to to excel. Um, you know, the other thing that's really uh, important uh, is the continuation of our advocacy efforts. Uh, you know, every year. Um, the legislature in California and at the federal level as well uh, is constantly writing new legislation and, and new laws. And what's often misunderstood is is, is that uh, uh, while the people in the legislatures are, are very adept at what they do and very smart people, they don't know all and everything. And so I think it's important for all stakeholders that have uh, are gonna be affected by any legislation to be able to have a voice uh, in in the uh, at the Capitol, uh, to be able to uh, pr provide information about what the effect of this legislation or that legislation will have uh, on on our effect our in our industry. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, I think you make a great point there about uh, uh, education when it comes to our lobbying efforts. I think far too often on you know both sides of the aisle uh, politically. We tend to uh, make caricatures out of uh, the legislators, and whether that's that you know they are these you know amazingly smart and capable, and you know like you said you know it's it's inaccurate to assume that they know everything about everything. But you know when you, that what comes with that authority sometimes is sort of that uh, presumption that you do know everything about everything, and you know and then on the other hand sometimes we think that they all they always have you know evil intent or you know pernicious intent. And a lot of the time, I think to your point, it's just a lack of education. So when we or the other, uh, any other uh, trade group goes in there and sort of explains to them, as you mentioned, you know, this is what the actual on the ground effect of uh, your legislation. Um, oftentimes it's a, it's not a, uh, a combative relationship. It's a, a collaborative one of, oh, okay, well, that's not what I intended to do. So help me, you know, change this legislation so we can still uh, accomplish our goal without, you know, harming the market or making things more onerous than they have to be. So I think you make a great point there. Um, you're uh, so, and and you mentioned the Future Leaders Program. I kind of wanted to dig into this for a second. I mean, your involvement with the California MBA does go back all the way to your time as a as one of the I think original future leaders in our uh, in our program when we first got it off the ground. Um, so I know that you are really, you know, maybe more than anybody else in the association, really invested in uh, the success of the program and really have seen the, the benefits of it. Um, so to your, uh, to the, to that point, you know, how important is it for companies and organizations like the California NBA and Walker and Dunlop to, you know, foster these opportunities for younger folks to get plugged into the industry? Well, first of all, let me say uh, I wish I was in the Future Leaders Program today versus the versus the one I was in. Uh, the first year that it got started, uh, it was a great program when I was there uh, as well. But the, uh, the the focus of of the time that I was there was attending the conferences and being on the commercial side. Uh, you know, we have one major conference every year, and then uh, I also consider Legislative Day an important component of the of the commercial uh, commercial and residential side. But the rest of the events were, were residential focused, so I was a bit of a deer in the headlights. Uh, attending those conferences, but the today's Future Leader Program, in addition to the uh, exposure to the conferences and the leadership uh, and the networking, you've got the added component of the partnership that we have with Pepperdine University uh, and the education program that goes along with that. So I, I think it's it's really been a boon and a great growth in, in that program. You know, as far as uh, investing in, in, in the future uh, of our industry and in, in, in our 
employees that are uh, newer uh, and and getting uh, you know exposure. Uh, it's critically important. I mean the there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of industries out there. Uh, you know, the ideal uh, ideally for for any company in in our industry, uh, you you invest a fair amount of time in, in onboarding and in training uh, and mentoring uh, employees, and you want them to to stay uh, with your firm uh, and and or within the industry. Uh, and the, the future leaders program is a is a great uh, great way to do that. Uh, you know, we get. Uh, folks that get grand, grand exposure to to other aspects of of what goes on in the industry. I mean, we are the California Mortgage Bankers Association, but even within even within the finance side, uh, there's a lot of different components that happen uh, throughout the process of of originating a loan, servicing a loan, uh, and and the you know the, the ancillary uh, businesses that that go into to making finance work and the uh, exposure, uh, both in education as well as networking, that comes through programs like the Future Leaders Program, uh, is really is really helpful to those those employees that you're trying to foster up through your organization. Yeah, and and thank you for the the um, the mention there. I think that the. I, th I think you're dead on. And, uh, you know, if anyone, if you're watching this and you're interested in our future leaders program, uh, we'll be opening up applications here in about another month for uh, the 2022 year. You can find that information at our website or just, you know, keep your eyes out. We'll be uh, starting to promote that here uh, later this year. Um, so uh, last question here, right, as we uh, uh, start to wrap up here, um, I'm curious, as someone who's been uh, been a part of the association for a long time, um, and if you know, you assume for a second you're going to be speaking to a uh, a potential member. What would you say uh, over the years has been maybe uh, you've noticed as one of maybe the biggest misperceptions you've had about the California MBA before you got involved? Yeah, you know, I, I go back to my some of my earlier comments about about advocacy and and legislation. Uh, the I think that. Even myself, when I came in the first time I attended the, the legislative day, I was uh, really like, I don't know what we're going to be talking about here because it seems like everything is is very residential focused uh, in in the way that the you know bills are because a lot of a lot of bills that are that are pushed through um, you know the the state legislature are consumer centric, consumer focused, and so they often uh, will be more applicable. Uh, on the residential side of the business than the commercial side of the business. And I think that a lot of other folks have a, a misconception uh, that that's, that that's true throughout. Um, what I have found uh, is there clearly are uh, components of legislation that, that are directly affecting uh, commercial real estate. We talked about a few of these at the, at the conference this week, and one, one comes up quite often is the split rule tax, and then there's the uh, eviction moratorium, which affected the multifamily space, and there was even legislation that was talking about um, commercial lease, uh, you know, eviction eviction moratoriums or ability for commercial tenants to negate their leases in one fashion or another. So that was definitely a, a direct effect. And the other one is just that uh, a lot of these legislation, as they are written, um, they're very broad and very uh, all-encompassing, and so it takes it takes kind of drilling through them and kind of understanding and, and going up uh, in front of the legislators, whether, you know, through the lobbyists or directly ourselves and saying, you know, the, what you have written here, uh, you, if, if your intent is to, to 
be uh, focused on the residential side, that's fine. But the way it's written, it's 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 crossing across uh, lines to to effect on the commercial side too. And it, is that in the intent? If so, what is what is the expectation? And here are the here's here's our belief on what the consequences, intended or unintended, may be out of that legislation affecting both the commercial and the residential side. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point to make, and, and I think you're you're totally right that that is that is something that uh, I've even you know found fascinating over the years is uh, you know how often legislators just don't realize because the financial markets can be so complex, and you know when they talk about consumers or borrowers, those terms in their mind may mean something very specific, but when it comes to the law and how it's applied, that can mean you know a number of different things and and something that maybe they may not intend to. Uh, intend to cover it all. So thank you for uh, for pointing that out. Well, we're about out of time here, so I wanted to I want to say thank you Ryan for uh, for joining us on Connect. It was great to uh great to see you again at the conference last week and here again on uh, Connect and we'll certainly uh check in with you over this uh, next year. Well, Dustin, I really appreciate the time and thank you as well. Uh, I wish everyone uh, a great uh, end of third quarter and, and roll into fourth quarter and, and make it a successful 2021 and, and roll, roll that straight into 2022. Thank you. Absolutely. And if you enjoyed the conversation here, make sure and subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. And we'll be back again next Monday for another episode of Connect. We'll see you then.